Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis. And this is a special broadcast because I'm supposed to be on vacation. I'm Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And as I said before, this is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of the news, what's going on in the world, and just trying to get everybody, you know, nicely acquainted to the insanity that is the media infosphere, as they like to say, disinformation, propaganda, all that jazz, of which there's a lot. And um, I'm a little upset with everyone because I just wanted to take a vacation, and it's like the minute I left... Everything just went crazy. Yeah. And p- poor Alan sitting there not wanting to send me uh, stuff on, you know, Twitter and whatnot. But, you know, here we are. Um, so a little bit of catching up, but also, you know, big holiday coming up tomorrow. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody's excited. It's Independence Day tomorrow. And, um, you know, th- this is always a, an, an interesting conversation because uh, call me cynical, uh whatever i've always been annoyed and this could just be me being a douche but i've consistently always been annoyed when people call it the fourth of july instead of independence day because i felt like that was always one of those Mm. language things where it was like trying to take away from what was actually going on in the holiday interesting okay so not in a bad way. It's just one of those weird things. It's like, oh, the 4th. And it's like, you mean Independence Day? You mean the day we declared independence? It's not just a date on the calendar. Mwah, you know, it's a little stupid, but it's one of those things. And, and it's not it's not on regular people. It's just so much of like, you know, we, we consistently talk about how people change language to try to affect how people think about things. So I'm yeah. always like really on guard for stuff like that. But um did have to cut the vacation a little bit short, not for anything crazy or, or terrible, just uh, the weather decided it was not going to participate with our vacation plans, which uh, is good because it turned into a staycation. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy mm. those, too. It's perfectly fine to just take some time and sit at home and, you know, hang out with the family and, and all that jazz. So um, are you doing anything for Independence Day, Alan? Do you have anything going uh, you on? You know, I... <laughs> haven't really made a whole lot of plans yeah maybe i'll try maybe i'll go see the fireworks maybe i won't are they allowed to in seattle or is that considered a white supremacist celebration you know i actually always i've started to wonder that i wonder how much they i think it's it's because it's well at least in seattle it's such a big event because they throw a huge basically celebration Mm-hmm. at one of the big parks here. And there are thousands of people that come and they shoot them off in Lake Union, which is in the middle of Seattle. So if all of Seattle looks inward toward Lake Union, they kind of have to. Like it's such a big event. And basically because it's in the lake, all every park along the shoreline, it gets filled with people. People boat in, people kayak in. And then... So it's kind of like this big party, and I think that's why they are never going to necessarily cancel it. Right. Well, it, it's it's funny because um, I think last year it was, well, aside from all the COVID nonsense, of course, right? Um, 
you know, you could you could have a giant, you could have a riot in the middle of Atlanta, but you couldn't shoot fireworks off because of COVID. Um, yeah. gl- gleeful to the left to not have to do anything with Independence Day because America is just the worst. Um, so of course there there's all that stuff, but a- additionally. Uh, th- this year you can't celebrate it because just what is there to celebrate because the evil mean Supreme Court threw legislation back to the states and in in all for all intent and purposes kind of changed nothing. And that's not a cynical Basically, view. Yeah. That's just the reality. Like, I just want people to understand that's that's not cynicism necessarily. It's just the Supreme Court decision when it comes to Roe v. Wade. All it did was just say, OK, well, states can kind of have their own legislation like California can do what California wants to do. Texas can do what Texas wants to do. Yeah. And it's such an interesting thing aside from the actual like discussion of the subject itself. This is such a great internal look at how media propaganda and an ignorant um, and a society that is wholly ignorant about how it's um, how it's government operates uh, can be weaponized by bad actors um, to basically affect outrage. That is the oh, best sure. way for me to yeah. define everything yeah. that's going on. Is like, it's funny because I I understand a lot of the like the 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 uh, pro life advocates you know celebrating this. I get that. Um, I'm wondering. It sounds like we might have some connection issues. So maybe Alan will come back because it's got the beep, beep, beep from Skype. Um, but we'll see if he if he blasts off or not. Um, but the, the interesting thing is, like, I understand pro-life advocates being very excited over the ruling, mostly because of the constitutionality being debated and, and all of those other um, discussion points. But what's more interesting to me is the fact that the left is reacting as if everything just caught on fire. And I think that that's more centered around anything that gives the right wing a win has to be the devil. Any, anything that they see as a win for their political opposition is the worst thing that can happen. All right. It looks like uh, we're going to try to get Alan back. So you guys might actually hear some of the, the Skype background, fun music and whatnot. So I'll try my best to make it go away, but perhaps. I also wonder why my um, stuff is so boomy. Oh, hey, and we're back. Yeah, well, yeah welcome back. I think uh, I think I booted you. I'm sorry about that. Um, Possibly. I was just discussing uh, the fact that I think a lot of the reaction of what we're seeing um in response to uh the like Roe v Wade decision the way the left is reacting to it even though it's like it really didn't change a lot in most people's daily lives if we're going to be honest is because it was a right wing win i think that that's the majority of where the rage is coming from it's it's not based on the idea of like somebody's rights changing or you know oh and the next day all this bad stuff happens it was more oh god my political opposition just got a big win and that is scary. Yeah, definitely. So, like, as far as some of the weird reactions, you like, what is the most 
given because you know we actually looked at what was going to happen like we understand the legal recourse this is a thing that i get kind of into is understanding courts and how legalities work and things like that it's like when i talked to you about it i was like all this does is kick it back to the states it's not even that huge of a win for like the pro-life coalition it's a win sure and it was one that we were told was never going to happen. There were so many Republicans that were like, no, nope, right. law of the land, never going to change. Um, which I think, honestly, was laziness. Uh, laziness, cowardice, or flat out they actually didn't, you know, didn't care. Um, or they liked the political capital of having it uh, constantly being a, uh, a rally point. But uh, the, the fact is, there's been a lot of dumb reactions that make no sense. And mm. so you and I look at this and we go, sure, it's a win, but it's not like this isn't taking stuff away. People in California can still do this. The worst case scenario is somebody has to drive to another state. Oh, God, no. The the, the absolute humanity. Um, yeah. What are some of the dumbest takes? Well, uh, sorry, two things. You brought up because you you obviously you work in kind of a liberal um, workplace. A lot of the people you work with yeah. are pretty liberal. You're saying they're not reacting to this. You're not seeing them discuss this Nobody, at all. Nobody's discussed it. Nobody's brought it up. No one's even discussed. It. I never I haven't even overheard anybody talking about it. Nobody seems upset. Nobody seems annoyed. That, that there seemed to be if I wasn't if I didn't know that this. Uh, decision had been handed down i wouldn't have noticed anything different based on the behavior of the liberals and democrats that i interact with on a daily basis no, they haven't they don't seem to have reacted changed behavior even be upset or even almost have noticed that this has happened so which is interesting to me so you're saying that all the women that work in your workplace didn't seem bothered by having to put on the handmaid's dress uh, they did not not even um, a little bit did their hijabs get in the way of their work? Uh, I have been trying not to bring it up, but it's, it was a little <laughs> irritating. Yeah. I mean, why were they even in the workplace? Shouldn't they just be in the kitchen, right? Because didn't uh, didn't uh, women's rights get just completely? How do you even have women in the workplace anymore? They they don't have rights. Right. Exactly. Oh wait, <laughs> it's because literally none of that happened. Yes. <laughs> Zero of that happened. So <laughs> what it sounds like to me is uh, all of it was contrived. Oh, big shock. Yeah. So pretty much. That means that we have to go to social media where everything is <laughs> resoundingly fake and stupid. Um, so with that, um, what's the dumbest? So what are the dumbest social media takes you've seen? I think some of the dumb ones, I think this is the one that I, I just noticed this morning that I find very annoying is this assertion that seems to be out there that abortion is going to become illegal and we're going to be jailing doctors who perform it when I don't feel that that's necessarily true. <laughs> that's that don't that doesn't seem like that's happening or would happen. Yeah, I mean, it's more like, no, sure, abortion's becoming illegal, but no, well, that just it, means that doctors won't be offering it. 
if in a state that's that's that, see that's the thing in a state it could it could be made illegal and yeah it's just it's it's not performed right if you're a doctor that is just like well i think fundamentally as a doctor this has to be a thing i must do then you go do that in a different state yeah like if you live in texas and they don't let you do it you can still do doctor things i I don't know if they're aware of that you literally do everything else that doesn't equate to you killing something. <laughs> it's like right. being a regular doctor where killing something is typically not what you try to do. You know, kill, killing killing exactly. a patient. Um, no, Right. So it, it's the fear mongering, right? It's the like, oh, it's going to be like doctors are going to be thrown in jail because they're going to still do it. No. Well, OK. Yeah, if they do. Well, and that's the I whole mean, thing is maybe. The, but that's not the. But that's not really a, a. That's not a real problem. That's not really what's going to happen. What's going to happen is doctors right. aren't going to. They're just not going to do it because of the. They're not going to take the risk. Right. But. Yeah. And. And and this is this is what's so strange is with with all with all the pearl clutching that we've constantly heard. Everything's about like oh the, the democracy right. Everything's about democracy. Things are threats to democracy. We have to preserve democracy. Yeah. Yada yada yada. It seems like right. the baseline of the entire the, the baseline fear for the left, for the Democrat Party and everybody involved in this is, oh, God, if we allow people, voters in the United States, voters in Alabama and Mississippi, in Texas, in California, South Dakota, you know, whatever, any state you want to name, if we allow them to decide at their state level. They're not going to allow it. That's the only way that this is so super scary, terrifying. Yeah. And let, let, and let, let me explain. If it, it's all been kicked back to the state level, which means it's the decision basically of the, gover- of the governor and the state legislatures. I can't – I'm going to have to speak generally here because state laws are different because states write their own constitutions, right? That's the whole point of it. Right. That's, that's the whole Republican concept, everybody. Um. You need to understand that these what's going to happen is there's no electoral college that decides a governor. Uh, Governors are decided by popular vote. The same thing for state legislatures. Legislatures are decided by popular vote. It is it is the closest to a pure form democracy as you can get. Um, it would be dumb at a federal mm-hmm. level, and if you don't understand why that's dumb at a federal level, then please consult the Federalist Papers because I don't have the time to tell you people why mob rule is stupid at a federal level. But at the state level, that is how the in the foundation of this country they decided um, that states would be able to make make those decisions there. People would vote for the represent representatives. Those representatives that sit there, they'd vote for the governor. That's it, right? Okay, so you all get to vote. And for example, here in Virginia, where I live right now, uh, we only get a governor for four years. There's no second term. You don't get to run for a second term. It's a four-year term. They can run again after somebody else takes the spot. So every four years, Virginia changes governors. And therefore, this could be an issue that a Virginia governor runs on. Um, and maybe it sure. changes, maybe it doesn't. Sure, whatever. At the end of the day, what will happen is the waters will kind of like settle down 
and states will realize, like, a certain state, it's like, if you want to win in Virginia, you have to be, say, pro-choice or pro-life. Okay. Um, that is what terrifies the left. After all this bellyache they've made about democracy, about protecting democracy, which in reality, democracy is just the voice of the people through voting. They're horrified over the idea of the voice of people through voting because they're not going to decide the way that the left wants them to, which I think is interesting after 30 years of bullshit that we've been told by the pro-choice movement. Yes. This is supposed to... yeah. Th- think sorry. Think about it. Right when when the leak happened, when the when the document leak happened, and um, Justice Alito's p- uh, opinion was leaked, and all of that, which by the way, they still haven't figured out who who's responsible for that. But regardless, when the leak happened, one of the things that we heard were people like Elizabeth Warren out there screaming on the Capitol steps. Seventy percent of Americans support this. Seventy percent. Oh, the court's gone rogue. Rah, 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 rah. Okay. If it goes back to the states and 70% Mm -hmm. of Americans support it, this should be a win for you. This is a W in your column because that means the majority of states will just either keep or expand because that's the other thing. Remember, there were federal limitations that were implemented by the Roe v. Wade decision. Those limitations are no longer an issue. It's been kicked back to the states. So if you live in California, you're welcome to sit there outside of a maternity ward with a sledgehammer. Hmm. You know, um, <laughs> because that's how it feels, right? When they talk about it, it's like, okay. But the, the point I'm making here is if everything they said was true, then this wouldn't be a problem. 70% of people, then it's going to be fine. I don't understand. Yeah. It's like being afraid. It's like being afraid of of kicking back like child labor laws to the states. Like somebody says like like somehow I don't I don't think that this maybe this exists maybe it doesn't but for whatever reason let's say the Supreme Court decides that there's like no actual federal reason to keep 6-year-olds out of the coal mines, right? And they kick it back to the states. Is anyone going to be like worried that it's like, oh God, I can't have that because they might make my six-year-old go work at the coal mine? No, because like no politician is going to be like, I'm going to run on the platform that six-year-olds should be mining for coal. Yeah, that's like all of this is is rapidly we're finding out everything they've ever said about abortion has been a just astroturfed is the best way I can describe it. Well, one of the best examples I've heard of this is people talking about how Planned Parenthoods in places like Mississippi are closing their doors. But just eight years ago, during the Obama administration, if you remember Project, I believe, yeah, it was Project Veritas, wasn't it? That came out with those leaked videos where they were talking about like there were people selling um, baby parts. And they had, like, executive directors and things like that that were, like, making a bunch of money uh, basically selling the uh, tissue of aborted babies. And this was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the the Republicans at the time were like, why are we federally funding this? Why are taxpayers funding, like, this this atrocity that's going on? And the response that we saw from the left was... 
this is such a small part of what Planned Parenthood does. Abortions are such a small, tiny part of what Planned Parenthood does. Um, it's ridiculous to try to pull all of their funding, uh, all of the taxpayer funding, based solely on such a small aspect of their business. Yet suddenly, when abortion's taken away um, in places like Mississippi, Planned Parenthoods have to close their doors. Mm-hmm. Which 100% means that the entire purpose of Planned Parenthood, as we've always said, and this is this is actually what truly frustrates me in this entire discussion, is we on the right have consistently said that is the entire purpose of Planned Parenthood. And they go, oh, my God, no, it's not. That's fear-mongering. It's conspiratorial. You know, that's a right-wing, you know, conspiracy theory, misinformation, disinformation, what the hell ever. Then suddenly yeah. you take abortion away and they go, oh, well, Planned Parenthood can't operate anymore because that's in its entire purpose in life. Okay, so we were right. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, we were right. And this has all been very disingenuous the whole time. Yeah. And, I mean the the firebombing and the arson and the violence against pregnancy resource centers so it wasn't about choice either it was never about choice choice was a word you used because it marketed well right like like think about that for a second there are activists the 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 foot soldiers of the left the activists which go by names like Jane's Revenge and groups like that are burning down pregnancy resource centers. There's no reason they had these, these resource centers had nothing to do with this decision. These are just places. A lot of times they're religiously affiliated that offer things like adoption. They offer charity towards new mothers uh, by offering diapers, baby formula, um, uh, food and, and, and money and employment opportunities to like new mothers, single mothers, like, there's no reason to hate these people. You know, they're doing everything that people yeah. talk about, right? Like, you know, the 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 ideas while well, the right wing just doesn't like once the baby's born, they don't care. They'll just let them suffer in poverty. Okay, so that's obviously something you're concerned about. Well, here's a group of people that charitably make that so that's not the case, right? And they're burning it down because why? Because they don't support abortion. Right. And so that's it. They're not necessarily standing against it. It's like literally anybody that offers an alternative solution is now demonized. And Mm -hmm. it's not that surprising to people like us. But I think that that has to be really shocking to regular people. Um, Specifically... There was a one in, I can't remember the, the town, and I'm sorry for forgetting it, but it was in Colorado, and I heard it was a local news broadcast that was talking about how this, like, pregnancy center in Colorado was set on fire. Yeah. Like, somebody set it on fire. And so think about being local Colorado resident that's listening to this, like, ABC or NBC station or whatever, where it's like, a bunch of activists set fire to a pregnancy resource center and they spray painted on the walls. If abortion isn't safe, then neither are you. And yeah. they had like the executive director of the center, this, this woman on, and she's like, I, she's like, we offer resources to new mothers and impoverished mothers. I don't know why anyone would, 
would do this to us. And just th- think about being just yeah. a regular person and being like, is, is anyone on the, on that side? Is there anybody that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm with that group of people. Uh, it's a hard ask. So why, pretty vile. why do you think, why do you think these activists are attacking these places? Cause it makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think they simply see it. I think they see it as we need, if, if it is possible, they are just extremely cynical and are looking at this as if there is not a, another option and we only have abortion, then our side will be able to make a stronger case for victory. So the idea, the idea of it being that these other options, like, I, I guess that's the other weird part is, do you think that the, the majority of the fear that's coming out of this is now that there are other options that can be supported, are they just afraid that people are going to be like, oh, yeah, we never really needed this? Uh, I think so. I think that that's a, I think that's at least a worry that they have. Well, because like, think about it. Um, do you have personally, do you have any issue with all the federal funding that used to go towards, um, abortion resources going into contraception or other, um, basically family planning resources? Not really. I don't don't think anybody else does either. And I say this knowing that we're never going to save money. (laughs) The government's not going to just not spend money now. So is that the actual issue? And, and, And what I mean by that is I think part of the reason for the rage on the left is they lost a weapon for elections at the federal level. This isn't something you can argue about anymore. So now you actually have to stand on policy. Right. Right. And I think that's I think that's really the the biggest thing is I think the the Democrat party knows that abortion is a major issue that they've been milking for a very long time and they're terrified that that's going to go away. Well, and it's it's we we've been talking about this for a while and and I want to make sure that I foot stomp on it since we're heading into the midterm soon is there is one target demographic where the Democrats still feel that they have power and influence. And so everything that they do has to be focused on that target demographic. And that is white, Mm -hmm. uh, upper middle-class suburban women. Right. It's the last vestige that they have because poll wise and election wise, we have election results from primaries, right? So we can, we can look at some of that exit polling. We can look at some of those numbers they are losing across the board in every, every demo. Well, I say losing. Let me say they're losing previously held territory. Like, obviously, mm. uh, there's been a Hispanic shift towards the Republican Party in places like Texas, especially in border towns, which is really alarming. Um, if you believe all the leftist narratives, that should be the opposite. They should hate the they should hate the Republican Party because they're so racist because uh, they want border strong border policies. But in reality, um, Hispanics voted by and large uh, for Republican candidacies in places like Texas. Sure. Um, but so they're losing ground in minority communities and all these other groups. 
So they're trying to hold on to the last vestige of hope, which is, you know, uh, upper middle class suburban white women. And I think abortion is one of those issues that they could twist around to mean a thousand different things because they always mm-hmm. conflated it with, you know, if you can't kill a baby, you have zero rights. Literally, oh, man, if they take away your ability to kill a baby, then um, you're going to basically just be chained to an oven. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, tell me that that's not the rhetoric that every, like, little girl hears. That's certainly, certainly what they're trying to get people to believe. I mean, it, it's like, not only is it, 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 it's not that they use it as an example of women's rights. It's the only right. Yeah. It's alarming. <laughs> it's like, like it's the only right that well, matters. It's, it's also, and this is a very shocking thing to me about uh, that has always been weird to me about abortion is the lengths that they go to try and preserve it. Seems bizarre, dude. The so reaction there is something about losing. There's something about losing abortion that is very worrying and very dangerous to Democrats and their backers. And that if I needed a, that's the only, that's it. I don't need any other reason to oppose abortion other than the worst people on earth seem to feel it is a absolute political necessity to keep legal free and pushed on as many women as possible. Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons, you know, there's, there's a couple of reasons why that might be one, one reason that I'll give is likely because it was so well weaponized for politics that they don't want to lose that power. Reason number two is I do believe that it is a fundamental um, belief by a lot of progressives uh, in the United States, the Western (laughs) world. It is a fundamental belief um, that they need to control the population because of climate change and whatever. Like they still believe the 1970s assessment. Yeah. They still believe the whole 1970s assessment of the population bomb and the earth's going to be destroyed because too many people. And you hear this in popular culture. Like, yeah, you know, people talk about how selfish it is for you to have children because of climate change and all this other nonsense. Um, So there's that, too. The only other option you have is they literally are a blood cult and they're afraid that the elder gods are going to rise out of the mountains because they're not getting enough baby sacrifices. I mean, they act the way they act makes the latter <laughs> seem more likely. That's what we were talking about last night. Like Alan and I were on the phone last night. We were discussing this. And I was like, okay, so the people who talk about like the the cult to Moloch, like sacrificing children to Moloch, like they look a little more rational these days with the reactions you're seeing from some people on the left. In fact, one of the one of the craziest ones I saw were uh, there, there was a viral picture that went out where uh, there's a married couple uh, that uh, obviously I, I don't I'm assuming that they can't they can't have children of their own. And they're holding a sign that says, don't abort, we'll adopt. And they got just attacked by a bunch of celebrities mm-hmm. and blue check marks and everybody. I mean, it was it was weird. Like, I just I don't understand how you could be the person who's like, oh, you know who really pisses me off? Uh, that family that wants to adopt a child. 
Well, what's interesting about this is we're seeing in real time how every single argument for abortion is turning out to be nothing but astroturf nonsense. Right. Because so, what, what, what have they always said? Well, well, you Republicans only care until the baby's born, and then they don't want to give it. They only care about its life until the baby's born. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, like, okay, well, then here's this love. Here's these people that want to adopt. Oh, my gosh. Like, how awful is it that white people are adopting brown babies? Or how awful and terrible is it that all these people, it's, it's just so unsettling that these people want to adopt. You're like, okay, so it's not that. And then it's, well, you know, Planned Parenthood does a lot of great work, not just abortion, helping these poor, set-upon women of color. And then abortion law, then, was it Mississippi? Outlaws abortion and Planned Parenthood's like, well, that's it. We're closing our doors. That's the only thing we do. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good to know. Excellent. Like, thank you for for exposing that. And I mean, it's just one thing, kind of like that after another. It seems. Do Do you think that some of it's a fear of the the traditionalist view? Because one of the things that we've been noticing, right, is that um, you and I keep sharing articles back and forth because the uh, the media has a really great time. Um, there, there's there's a lot of people, reporters, who get paid. Uh, specifically to fearmonger about what the newest, uh, what is it, ultra MAGA, like right wing white supremacist activity is. Um, we used to we used to do it a, a few years yeah. back where it was like uh, it was they called everything racist. Math was racist. Bicycling was racist. You know, shuffle shuffle the deck. You know, this is racist. Well, now it's a sign of white supremacy, and it's <laughs> things like um, being healthy. Yeah, because a lot a, a lot of people um, that are also commentators on like right wing and, and more nationalist stuff also discuss like you need to be in good health. You need to be strong. You need to be in good health. Um, stop eating, you know, stop eating garbage food <laughs> that's fed to you by people who hate you. Um, know how to yeah. farm. Know how, you know, basically be. To be honest, you call it nationalist, but in reality, it's just rugged individualism, which, by the way, is the baseline of the foundation of this country. Um, anything that basically supports this rugged individualism is like vilified because it makes you less dependent on the government, which is the source of the left and progressives power. What's impressive about that when you you really start to drill down into it is what if a lot of this is now that they can't fear monger the idea that children are a chain around your ankle and people are like, they stop having that. They, they don't tell young women that are in college that if you have a kid, like, well, honey, you don't want to have a kid because how else can you be making PowerPoints at your law firm until 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. Like that, that, that is, that is what it, it's one of the things that's always really bothered me is that is like that is what young women are told you don't want to have a child sure. i mean they don't say it that way but that's the reality of it is like, well what about your career don't you want to have a career don't have a kid wouldn't you rather just be the best accountant than be mom isn't it cooler to be karen in accounting than mom yeah and th- that's how they present 
parenthood. I, I'm not, I mean, it, it really is. It's more motherhood. But let's be honest. It's parenthood. They present it as like a shackle or as like a like a prison sentence. And they can't really do that anymore because like you, you would have to give people an option, right? And what happens mm-hmm. if a bunch of people are like, I, I like being a parent. Well, then you're going to run into the thing that I think a lot of progressives and this, uh, what was the term that one of uh, Biden's people used? The, was it the liberal world order? Um, yeah. The, the biggest threat. Yeah. The biggest threat against the liberal world order is people going, we should be able to survive off a one, a one person income in a family. Yeah. Do you have any idea how much of the nonsensical economy that exists in the Western world today would be destroyed if people just started demanding to be able to support their families off of a single uh, off a single income? I don't know. It would certainly be it would be a massive economic shakeup. Yeah, and I well, which is odd because it used that used to be the norm. It used to be the norm that you had a single provider for a single worker in a family and you kind of wonder what changed like what because i think of it now and i think well that would be almost impossible so what is it about the modern life that we all lead that makes that so seemingly impossible of a of a choice the i I, well i mean there's there's a lot of different things well there's a lot of different things, but there's not a lot of different things at the same time. It all changed basically around World War II, and that's when globalism became a larger aspect of things. That, that, that's when we we as a country stopped, basically gave up some of our sovereignty because the fear of another world war. Mm-hmm. And so we handed it over yeah. to uh, basically you know, shadow governments like the United Nations and, and groups and NATO and groups like that. But in reality, it's also when we started seeing a lot of um, the more international trade happen. Well, what if we just bought a bunch of cheap shit from China instead of being independent in our own manufacturing, which, by the way, looks like a great freaking idea now when you can't get a damn thing uh, because it's yeah. all made in China and China can just basically say, screw you. Um, that's what happened. But to be to be honest, part of the reason we're like, why is our why did our government ever let us get to a point where a single income wasn't enough to support a family? Well, that's easy. You get twice as many tax cattle. Yeah, well, there is definitely certainly that. I mean, I know at least one country that got out of the depression that got out of the Great Depression by getting rid of its central bank and outlawing imports which sounds incredibly radical but it basically meant everything that the country needs has to be produced within the country and that put then that put a lot put a bunch of people back to work and it started changing their fortunes and you wonder could that happen in the united states today if it was necessary it's like we don't make semiconductors here hardly we don't make steel here hardly but these are all incredibly important things we need to just maintain modern society it's like things like electrical transformers a lot of those are now about 50 years old bridges we need to be building new bridges and since we become so reliant on manufacturing in other countries as we're seeing with all of these supply chain uh, restrictions and the price of fuel of for that of diesel which is used for fueling container ships and all these trucks and rail lines 
being so dependent on this globalist infrastructure of manufacturing at the cheapest locations with child slave labor, that's rapidly being shown as not necessarily beneficial for the countries that are that engage in it. Now, granted, I can buy a bunch of cheap widgets from China, and maybe the amount of cheap widgets I could buy would be different if we manufactured in the United States. And it wouldn't be as cheap, because that's the argument I've heard, is, oh, well, all of these things wouldn't be as cheap. Your average standard of living would go down because you're essentially paying inflation because all of these things are now more expensive because they're not being made in sweatshops. Right. I feel like that's at least, that would be a worthwhile trade-off, because essentially what you're saying is, I'm willing to sacrifice paying $10 for a pair of Bluetooth headphones, make it $20, but my country for now and far into the future is going to be able to remain sovereign and independent and be able to look after its own citizens. That should be a worthwhile trade-off. Well, let's, let's, let's examine the case because this, this is where it gets fun, right? Uh, this was, um, it's funny because we can zoom back to 2015, um, kind of when we started doing this program. This was a discussion, hilariously, that we had back in 2015. Um, or, or it was something I discussed back in 2015 uh, on the on the program, and that is uh, there was this big debate, and this is when people like uh, Ben Shapiro uh, were coming more and more onto the scene with his uh, with his broadcast because that was when Trump, when he was running at the time when he was candidate Trump, said that he wanted to tariff China, and you had the some of the baseline right. conservatives like Ben Shapiro come out and talk about how stupid that was. It was so stupid to tariff China, and it's dumb to want to make things here in the United States. And this sure. is where we started to see some of the foundational cracks, not, not even in a bad way. I think that this was actually all an ultimate good, but we started to see some of the foundational cracks in American conservatism. Because somebody like mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro was like, it's dumb for us to want to make like things like textiles in the United States. That's stupid. When we could be making sure. laptops. I think, th- I think that was his exact example on one of his programs was, you know, a guy makes t-shirts and he makes laptops. He should focus his energy on making laptops. And then the t-shirts can be made in China. It's stupid to, you know, put him in a position where he has to make t-shirts here or whatever. The reality of that is, sure. is that, yes, it is cheaper to create certain products in China. The question that you have to ask yourself is why? And, and Alan, do you know why it's cheaper to make things in China? I can only imagine it's worker protections and regulations. Because exactly. everything made in China has to then be loaded onto a container ship and driven across the United States, which has to be a very large cost in terms of production and movement of material yeah it's a hundred percent because of regulation environmental and uh, governmental regulation and labor laws it's because in the united states we consider it immoral to make children work in a factory that's uh, inherently unsafe now remember like you've all seen or heard the jokes and the memes about there being like nets outside the windows of chinese factories uh, because people will try to jump out the window to kill themselves. Like, everyone's heard about the sweatshops. You've heard about these things. Sure. Okay, so here's the question. If that's what makes it cheaper, then why don't we just 
lift those regulations in the United States? Like, wouldn't that be the conservative? Would yeah. the conservative argument be it's so expensive to make these materials in the United States because of these dumb regulations? Well, the reason why you don't see people rushing to the door to do that is because we consider it immoral to make our children work 16 hours a day, right? Right. Okay. Why is it moral for us to make Chinese children do it? Because that's the that's the argument I hear from these global market assholes that are like, well, it's just so stupid. We shouldn't have to make it it's cheaper and chi-. okay. So slave labor is fine as long as I don't have to see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, because how is that not the argument? How is that not the argument from the quote free market? Because I'm not going to lie, I don't give a shit about anyone else's free market. I care about my free market. I don't care about, I don't need to make China's market more free. They're a bunch of communists. Screw them. I don't give a damn about their economy. Why am I feeding U.S. dollars into a communist country? I want them bankrupt. I want them starving so their people revolt and overthrow their stupid communist government. Why are we propping them up? Why do I care at all? Yeah. Well, and it's not even that. It's it's not even necessarily as negative as you just positioned. It it simply it hurts my country to do things this way. It yeah. hurts us in the long run to do things this way. And that and that is the only reason we need to not do it. Yeah. And it's just it's so dumb. It's just wow, this is so stupid to tariff China. It's so cheap, cheap Chinese steel. I don't like to to the point that you made earlier. I don't care if I have to pay a little bit more if it means my country's more independent because by the way that does make it better. There's no way that that doesn't increase the economy. It's got to be it's this Keynesian right. economic nonsense which by the way has been bullshit. It's been proven to be bullshit. Everything that they baseline this on, well, if steel goes up, then that's going to get passed on to the consumer, and then it's it's really going to end up being a tax on blah, blah, blah. When we instituted tariffs against China, our economy was doing better. Well, and it, I think that's also not necessarily been played out by the, by the reality of the situation either, is how how much cheaper would it be? It's only, like we just said, it's only expensive in the United States for reasons that I think are fake. It's only it's only more expensive to do stuff here because we put this burden on ourselves. Right. Well, yeah, and that seems like, like folly to me. There's there's there is an absolute good amount of silly regulation that doesn't equate to. There's an absolute amount of silly regulation that doesn't equate to children working in sweatshops. Um, right. You know, that can be done. But like you said, it's it's really funny because the idea there is it's like, well, if you paid $10 more for your Bluetooth headphones, Alan, that's basically a tax passed on to the consumer and things get more expensive. And are you really okay with that? And it's like, yeah, but it created 50,000 jobs in a community that suddenly increased the value of the dollar. And all of a sudden, right. to paying $20 for a pair of Bluetooth headphones is fine because everybody has $50 more each week. Well, and there's a whole, there would be a whole conversation to have about how much, if 
people were net wealthier in the United States, if everybody had a job and there was no unemployment, how much less crime would there be? How much less money would we have to spend on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, this, this goes on and on. I think at the end of the day, though, it's, it is inefficient mm-hmm. to do this with China. It, it is absolutely inefficient for us to rely on China for all of our manufacturing. So the only reason that we are doing it is because someone is making money off of it. Now, not to say that people shouldn't make money, but at the right. same time, it, it seems it seems ridiculous that we have it that we're doing it this way. But okay, and again, by the same people that whine and moan to me about the free market in every other aspect. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so you care if I'm supposed to care about all these free markets, right? Well, then why do I? Why does China get to do this? Right. Why does do I, why do I have to deal deal with China being this repository of all of our manufacturing? How is that free? How is it how is it free that my I have we have to have all of our U.S. companies subservient to economic and worker policies that seem like they are only putting them at a disadvantage? It's like, well, you know, like climate change okay so so we're offloading all of this onto china so that we don't have to sully our hands doing it that does not seem that does not seem good or healthy or positive to do as a nation right no yeah it's 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 like oh well no you don't understand china can pollute the shit out of the oceans but you know then we don't then we don't have to deal with it right like ah that that's not better That's in no way better than doing this. I don't understand. And that's that's what truly baffles me about a lot of these things, is it it absolutely makes no sense that we have offloaded this much of our manufacturing to China. Yeah, I mean it does make and, sense. And or... there is not a intense effort to to change this back. Yeah, the it it, it does make sense when you realize that the People who are spewing the rhetoric and writing the laws are making money hand over fist with their investments in places like China. Yeah. I mean, it was the big thing because remember, Justin Amash, this was one of my favorite uh, situations ever. Justin, Justin Amash, who's supposed to be like he was supposed to be part of the Freedom Caucus. He was supposed to be this like you know, great libertarian, you know, uh, conservative, what, what the hell ever, uh, representative in Congress. And, uh, when Trump instituted his tariffs, that's when Justin Amash threw his hands up in the air and he had to leave the Republican party because he was just so disgusted by everything he saw. And then just a little bit of digging that anybody did realize that Justin Amash had a shitload of investments and an entire company that was wholly reliant on Chinese manufacturing. So this guy who played this supposed I'm here for, you know, the the America, I'm a Freedom Caucus member, I'm all about, you know, constitutional originalism. Oh, wait. Oh, God. Um, My entire like company, uh, my family's entire company is reliant on Chinese communist goods. And uh, Donald Trump, it wants to get rid of those, uh, get rid of that manufacturing. So. Americans can get those jobs. Oh, well, I can't be a member of this party because it's so immoral. It's like, oh, so you're a giant piece of human garbage 
Uh, and it was always about financing yourself. And when there was how many opportunities to get Americans more jobs, especially when people like Barack Obama was shutting down businesses in places like West Virginia, throughout the Rust Belt, uh, throughout areas where Justin Amash himself in Michigan was responsible for, how many times did that asshole get in the way of creating American jobs because he wanted to fill his pockets with Chicom money? At least once. Probably more than yeah, that. Yeah, at least once. <laughs> we saw him leave the party over the damn thing. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah, so it's it does make sense. It's shocking that these people have the audacity to even show their face anymore. Well, and what's amazing about that is, you know, tomorrow we're about to celebrate Independence Day. And that's when a group of people took one of the biggest risks humanly possible, which is that they signed a document that they then sent over to the king of the most powerful country in the world and basically said, hey, fuck off, which sealed their death warrants. And I need you to understand that. It sealed their death warrants. And at the end of the day, that was the risk that those people took. Now the risk that Mm -hmm. our representatives that still sit within the halls of Congress and what have you, the biggest risk that they take is uh, whether or not their insider trading is going to do as well as it did the week before. We We still have a committee that is meeting up you know, for primetime television, complaining about some people standing outside the Capitol yelling kind of loud and carrying flags as if it was the worst situation that they've ever faced. And we're about to celebrate a situation in which a group of people signed a document and then all of them went to war. Yeah. And some of them <laughs> died in it. Yeah. It's the greatest juxtaposition I think we can have. You have idiots like Liz Cheney and Adam Schiff and all these other losers sitting there on the January 6th committee. like, it was so horrifying. The 65-year-old man with a clubbed foot and diabetes was in the Congress. I was so scared. Oh, let's take a second, everybody. We're going to take the day off to celebrate uh, this group of dudes who signed a document and then literally fought the British in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, like, it's it, quite it, egregious. In, in other words, we are a society full of cowards. Like, <laughs> how are we to celebrate the foundation of a country in which we talk about people like, you know, Hancock, and Adams and, you know, Washington and Hamilton and all of these other people. And then we're like, no, but January 6th was super scary, guys. Well, that's why I think most people don't connect with the January 6th narrative at all. I think it's entirely a fiction that is astroturfed and they're desperate to, for it to become embedded in people's minds. And I just think that it's not going to because it there's nothing there and it doesn't oh, make any sense. But by the way, um, I, I, I because I absolutely love this story and I, I don't know if a lot of our audience knows it. That very famous picture of 
General George Washington crossing the Delaware. Um, the reason why that's such a prolific picture that a lot of you don't know, and you're going to see it because it's one of the ones that gets shared a lot on Independence Day, and of course, so very cool. Um, that picture was uh, General George Washington leading a group of people on Christmas Eve across the Delaware to then go stab a bunch of German mercenaries in their sleep on Christmas Eve. Slit the throats of German yeah. mercenaries while they slept. I just want you all to know uh, that he would be tried for war crimes by people like Adam Kinzinger. Yeah. NATO would try him but for war crimes. don't get charged with war crimes, so that's good. <laughs> no, just, just so you know, the cowards in uh, globalism uh, would have absolutely jailed Washington for war crimes for that. Which well, yeah, point, at that point, point that the globalists out. were the British Empire. Yeah, they were the British Empire, and they deserved to die. <laughs> All right. Mm -hmm. So there's another thing, speaking of free markets and stuff like that, that I really, um, I'm really excited about. And it's going to be really interesting to watch people freak out over. And that is um, there is a uh, – there's legislation going through Arizona, which I think is going to be the beginning of a national trend uh, that we're going to see, which is Arizona is passing a school choice law, and it is expected to pass – and the left is in a full full panic over it. Um, for those of you who don't understand, this law really encapsulates it, – it's an extremely good way to show how school choice works and what it really is. Um, and it is actually shocking when you realize that anyone would stand against this law. What this Arizona law does is it takes the amount of money – so when, when you look at a school's budget right now, you'll see the per-pupil spending. Like this is the amount of money that is spent per student um, for the school budget. Well, what the Arizona law does is it takes that amount of money and it attaches it to the student in the form okay. of a voucher. So that means that the student and their family can choose whatever school they want to go to, whether it's private, charter, or public. And when the student matriculates into that school they go in and they say i want to I, I want to go to school here that voucher is then handed to the school that amount of money is then paid out to the school okay make sense yeah sure why is anybody against this because just so you're aware the way that i just explained it to you just so you all understand what this means the fact that arizona is writing a law that does this means that is currently not how it works. What I mean by that is yeah. the money that is given to schools is not reflective of the student. It is not for the student. I want you all to make, because that is shocking to me. What, the people are is against it? this right now because the budget that goes into your schools is not reflective of the amount of students. Which means that the students are not the primary driver of the spending of that money. Uh, make yeah. it make sense. No. <laughs> They're horrified. The left is horrified. The teachers unions are horrified that kids and their families will be allowed to choose what school they go to. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well. 
I think it, I think it means that you could have then have schools that were private schools that offered much more than what the or offered a different curriculum perhaps, and they are worried that parents are going to choose those schools and then they will lose a lot of their support. Well, think... they won't they won't be able to brainwash kids anymore. Honestly, it's like let's call a spade a spade. Why do they hate the idea of school choice? Because it, it would allow private schools to become profitable or much more profitable and easier to start and run, I assume. And that means that parents would choose those options over their terrible public education systems. And, the, and those public education systems are the ones that the leftists feel confident they have control over. It's a, it, it would, it's a loss of control, and that's exactly why they don't like it. It's why they're worried about it. It's why they find school choice so objectionable is because it means that they would no longer have control. Right. Well, yeah, there's I mean, there's that. The other side of that coin, too, is um, you're going to have to work for it. If you suck. Nobody goes to your school. You lose all your money. Mm. Yeah. If you, it, it 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 upends some of those you know, uh, some of those policies that, to be fair, garbage teachers are reliant on. Things like tenure. You can't fire me. I have tenure. I can basically just be a giant piece of human trash and you can't do anything about it. Well, you're not going to have tenure anymore if you have to remain competitive in a market. Sure. I think that this is amazing. And also, I, I'm shocked that it wasn't how it was. Who the hell came up with a concept that didn't say that an amount of funding should be attached to a student? What that means is that yeah. there's so much money that's going to be... Because that's the whole thing. It, it, this is what it breaks apart. It breaks apart all the dumb equity programs, which are nothing more than grift. You have a sure. crap school in a garbage neighborhood where people are moving out in droves because the neighborhood has gone to shit. The, what they do now is using terms like equity and race and white supremacy and blah, blah, systemic racism. They gobble up an obscene amount of funding, even though students are leaving and teachers just basically have to sit behind bulletproof glass and do absolutely nothing, but get paid a premium to do so because we have to give all this money to this poor, like school in this super poor area um, because of equity. We need to like, there's the rich suburb on the outskirts of town. We need to take some of their funding and give it to the garbage inner city school. That's yeah. how it works right now. There's wealth redistribution. It's the communist wealth redistribution in real time in the United States using the public education system. If you have school choice, yeah. that doesn't exist because that garbage inner city school that's not performing well, that's full of drugs, where kids are getting assaulted, where crime is happening and teachers give up, it will close down because everybody will find another school to go to and it will get better i think that's precisely why they're so worried about it is they look at this and go if we allow those schools to slow to to close that will be 
essentially, I think they see it as that we can't allow schools to close, and so we need to maintain them. At least that's that would be the argument. The only logical argument would be we need to maintain these public institutions because if they are if if we don't have a captive audience, then they'll fail, and we don't we can't trust the private sector to provide adequate schooling. Right. I don't know if that's necessarily a real concern, but I think the but that's not necessarily even on the board. That's not what the discussion is about. It's not about well, would that happen? What are things we can do to change that? How can Nothing is on the board about changing schools. It's only you have to send your kids to to us and shut up and just let us brainwash them and do whatever we want. Because you no, saw no. this when people were upset about what they were teaching in schools with this all the remember all the school board meeting issues. Yep. All the things where they were like, "Hey, we're having school boards meet about CRT and all this stuff we don't like." And then what what happened? Well, they be, they got called terrorists by the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, I think that that's exactly it. I think what they're really, truly afraid of is now you're going to have schools that can pop up that say, you know, when we te- we're going to teach real history classes, we're going to teach real civics classes. I mean, you're going to see like uh, uh, one, one of the more popular colleges for like conservatives and stuff is Hillsdale College out of Michigan. You'll see Hillsdale almost guaranteed start charter school if they haven't already. Maybe they have, but start charter school programs. And then there's going to be a bunch of people that want to send their kids there. And their kids sure. are going to go to those institutions. And, but once again, where are we back to, Alan? What's the big thing that they're afraid of? People being able to make their own decisions as opposed to being forced. I mean, I can't tell you right. here here where where we live. It's insane because they keep redistricting. My kids have actually shuffled Mm. through several different schools because of redistricting. Why are they redistricting? Because they need to make it more fair. Oh, they need to make it more. Make what more fair? Well, what what specifically do they point to and say it needs to be made more fair? Well, you see, there's there's the there's the one school that's performing really super well. But it's also the school that was serving like the really nice suburb areas. But there's all the apartment buildings that are kind of like just off the highway that are a little bit lower income. And it's just not fair that this one school does really well and then that this other school is doing so garbage. So what we're going to do is we're going to take half of the kids from the lower income area and send them to the good school and then take the other half of kids that go to the good school and we're going to send them to the garbage school. Why can't, why does the, why must you suffer the garbage school to keep existing? Well, and that's, what's fascinating because, um, when I bought my house, I paid a premium on it because it was in the district of the good school. That's infuriating. Now it's in the district of the crap school. Now, just just so everyone's aware, that's a sliding scale. We actually, across the board, have very good schools, but that was how the decision was made. There was an underperforming school, so they redistrict they redistricted to try to do it, and they did it in the most illogical. I'm serious. When you look at the district map, 
it's like here's a school here's basically a sphere or not a sphere a circle around it of people that can make it into that school and then there's weird blotches of also that school and when you look at the blotches it's like apartment buildings townhomes some of the lower income areas and you're like oh my god it's a redistribution it's the you know property values give all this money to this one area and so we're going to take some of this lower income area and send it there what makes that dumb? Yeah. It, the reason why they're trying, you know what problem they're trying to solve, Alan? The, it was what a problem, problem that was, cre- it was a problem that was created by the public education system in the first place. If you had had school mm. choice, this wouldn't have been an issue at all. Parents would no, pick I'm the school. Sure yeah, parents would pick the school that they wanted to send their kid to. They would send it to them. They, they would send them there. In fact, one of the most annoying things, and I know this is dumb and people are going to get upset about it, whatever, is I have no idea why, but there's an, there's suddenly a very uh, large Hispanic population in my town. Uh, I happen to know that a lot of it is because of when um, people were pouring across the border my town became one of the places where they got settled. Because well, that of, is pretty infuriating. Because of that, there's an obscene amount of budget in the county here that goes towards English as a second language. Oh, that's irritating. Which is just money out of the pockets of my kids. Money out of the pockets of everybody else's kids. Yeah, and like... Well, if we weren't spending all this money on teaching Spanish, on teaching non-Americans uh, right. English, then your kids could get a better education. Yeah. But then they're trying to solve this other problem because they don't have the, the right amount, amount of funding. They have to redistrict, blah, blah, blah. And it's like you spend millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for illegal immigrants' children to survive in our school system. Yeah. Because, like, I'm sorry, but no, your priority should be on citizens of the United States who pay taxes. Right. Ugh. But same people. That's no, the whole thing. That's 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 got to be infuriating. Yeah. Of course you're upset. Of course everybody's upset about that. And it sucks. They have because, every reason to be. Like, I have no. Like, I have no issue. Like. Legitimately, if I when I, when I sit down and when I really think about it, like I have no issue if like a family comes to the United States legally, and the kid has some trouble. Sure, like yeah, the, like have have a resource there to help them. I think it's hilarious. Sorry, real quick, I do think it's hilarious that we have an entire program in public schools to teach kids English that is run by the same people who screech that. This country doesn't have a formal language. It's like, yeah, but even yeah. you acknowledge no, that they need to learn this one. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I've always found that funny. I have no issue with that. I have no issue finding a resource and, and helping find a resource for a kid that whose family came here legally because, of course, they're not going to know the language. And it's a little, you know, if, if they go through the process to come here, I don't have a problem educating kids. We don't have that. We have a flood of people because liberals want to have open borders and so they come rushing over and now the schools are pulling their hair out because they don't know how to afford to teach every other student 
And it's because you right. dumb assholes did this to yourselves. You're doing this to my children and everyone else's children, and none of it had to happen. And I think that's really the, the issue with immigration is it's not so much the immigrants themselves or where they're coming from. It's the, it's the it's the sheer volume. It's too much. It's too fast. If there was oh, there's you know a couple. There's a couple kids in the high school. Then they have a, maybe one classroom worth. They're like, all right, we we got ten kids and we're doing English as a second language. Oh, that yeah, that probably would be fine enough. Like, okay, sure. But instead, how many kids is it? How many dozens, if not more? How many how many classrooms are devoted to this? It becomes it's to the point where the issue that we really have with immigration is more about the resources that are being spent to make this continue being a thing seem disproportionate to the benefits that it's offering. It is so disproportionate that at a middle school event, it was bilingual. And, and this is all in what, like just a couple years. Yes. Seemingly, when I, when I talk to people that have lived here for a while, this is like recent within the last five, ten years. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to that figure seems, it out. That seems incredibly unsustainable. No, it absolutely is. And just north of us is what's just north of us in, in one of the other towns. Um, people have like left that area because it got flooded with MS-13 gang violence for the same thing. It was because oh, this was at, at the time when this place was under Terry McAuliffe, a Democrat, he basically was the guy who swung his doors open and made himself a sanctuary state. Great. And that create that cause. Now, granted, all the rich, like super rich areas in Northern Virginia we're like, well, well, oh, of course we support that because we're good liberals, but just not here. So push it just a little bit south. And that area just a little bit south got so inundated with MS-13 gang violence. I mean, actually, if you guys look it up, I think on Breitbart, you'll see uh, that there was a, like, Mexican drug cartel guy who chopped up two Virginia boys recently. That's the kind of stuff that, that those are the kinds of ramifications that occurred through the Democrat um virtue signaling and flooding of uh, um, illegal immigration through sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. And hilariously, of course, sorry, they didn't settle them in the towns where their donors were. They settled them in the more red and rural areas of Virginia. Right. Of course. Of course. Well, with the entire intention being that it's going to swing how your area votes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Alan. That's the great replacement theory. And that's a, that's a white supremacist conservative or white. Yeah. White supremacist, right wing conspiracy theory. I mean, sure. It's true. (laughs) It's true. And bared out by the facts. Yeah. But you're not allowed to talk about it. I I know. There's probably a lot of never Trump conservatives that would be very upset with anybody giving any attention to the great replacement theory, even though we can all see it writ large every single day with the 
sheer quantity of immigrants streaming across the border and the intentional lack of the government doing anything to stop it. Because if we wanted to, we could stop. We could seal the border. It's always been possible. We just choose not to. It's like all that you'd need. All you'd need is just to start enforcing enforcing the border and like let Border Patrol do its job. But we can't do that because for some because it benefits the Democrat Party to have an open border and flood the flood the nation with people from other countries. And and because we have the laws that we have, all of their kids immediately become U.S. citizens. And then they can constantly dangle in front of those new voters. Well, your parents are illegal. It'd be a real shame if the Republicans got elected and and then what probably deported your parents. You should just vote Democrat for a life for a lifetime. That's why they do it. They don't actually want it. It's just like Roe v. Wade. It's just like abortion. They want the they don't want to solve the issue. They want the issue to keep being a thorn in the side of America because it's then a axis of division that they can exploit. That's why they're upset Roe v. Wade went away. I think that's one of the main reasons why they're sad. Now, granted, they are also demon-worshipping pedophiles. But (laughs) aside from that, I think the the real reason they're so upset about Roe v. Wade is because they never fixed it. I mean, Roe v. Wade could have been – they could have instantiated that into law. They could have amended the Constitution. They could have done anything. And instead, they just chose to sit on the nebulous Supreme Court ruling – because they, it meant that they could keep it on the books and they would, wouldn't have to spend the political capital to actually make a change about it. Which means when anybody talks about how they care so much about abortion and all these other things, it, it, it's nonsense. It's nonsense because they never fixed the problem, even when they want to. It's the same with the border. I mean, you could look at a lot of Repu- Republicans and say, you guys didn't actually care about the border as evidence through your own actions. So you had power and you didn't do anything. Well, you clearly don't care about this problem. You're just using it to garner votes. It was the same. Remember when Obamacare got appeal, uh, repealed and all of these Republicans were, oh, we, vote for me and I'll appeal, repeal Obamacare. And then it got repealed and it turned out they had absolutely nothing. They'd done nothing to prepare for that. Right. Because right. they didn't and... actually care about getting rid of Obamacare. Yeah, and then you had giant garbage people. All they like wanted John is McCain. just to use it for votes. It's the same way with Roe v. Wade and immigration for the Democrats. No, a hundred percent. And um, but uh, we we are we are now at at time, and so it is going to be a bit of a short show. So I think that that's actually a really good note to end mm. it on, and it'll be hilarious. But there'll be more uh, that we will dive into. But be sure to. Um, Go over, join our Discord channel because there's a lot of activity that goes on over there. So if you if you want, go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio and you'll get all the information to join our Discord there. There's a lot of good chat going on there. Um, and uh, we may have more since obviously it's a holiday week, so there might be some extra time. But we're going to call it a day for now. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next week.
Thank you.